Let's go to the, the book of, of Matthew. Matthew, I'm going to read tonight uh, a, a lengthy passage of Scripture, but it's part of the Christmas story, and it's going to be where we're going to be focusing in on the next three, actually the next four weeks from now until Christmas Eve. We're going to be in this series called The Gift, and we're going to be looking at the gift that the wise men brought Jesus, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And on the 18th, we're actually going to look at the gift that Jesus was to us. We're going to take a momentary break on the 18th uh, for that. I want to talk about, I don't, I'm not going to give it away. You just got to be here on the 18th. Let's go. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2 says this. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that same time, wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is this newborn king of the Jews? We saw a star as it arose, and we have come to worship him. Verse number three, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, and everyone in Jerusalem, he called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Verse 7. Are you with me? If you're with me, say, I'm with you. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them what time the star was going to appear. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so I can worship him too. Verse number nine, this interview with the wise men, he, uh, after this interview with the wise men, they went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem, and it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house where they saw his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshiped him. Then they opened their treasure chests, and they gave him the gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh when they entered the house and they saw the child they bowed down and worshiped opened the treasure chest of gold frankincense and myrrh let's pray heavenly father thank you thank you for this season thank you for all it represents thank you for coming to this earth lord today open our ears open our hearts open our minds god that we may receive of your word change us and challenge us today in Jesus' name. Come on, if you'll believe and receive that, why don't you say amen, amen, and amen. How many of you have ever had a baby shower before? Anybody? Baby shower? How many of you have been to a baby shower? You know, I think this is one of maybe the the first baby showers ever recorded in history, and obviously the wise men were uh, a little late. Usually you go to a baby shower before, and you bring all the gifts, and you know, you usually bring practical stuff like diapers, you know? I mean, because you're going to need lots of diapers. You know, you may bring something like a onesie. You may bring something like a nose sucker. How many of you parents remember the nose sucker? Uh, if, you, if you have a parent or a child that's over the age of like four or five, it was probably the, the bulb sucker. Parents, y'all remember that, like the green one that they just sent home with you from the hospital. And I don't even know why they send you home. For me, that thing is just torture, all right? It's like, if you want to torture your child, make them mad, make them scream, break out the, the bulb sucker. How many of y'all seen this new nose sucker, though? Have y'all seen the new one that's like the tube where the, where the don't talk about that? 
I, like, I don't do it. Okay, here's the deal. I make Shannon do that one. It's this tube, and you stick it in their mouth, in their nose, and okay. Anyway, uh, it, it, it's, not, it's not a fun, it's not a pleasant experience. I Usually, I leave the room. I'm like, all right, babe, you got this. I love you. Shannon's an incredible mom, and I just tap out on those things. I'm like, I can't, I can't do that. I'm gone. And I just leave the room. I let her do the nose sucking, then I, and then I, re, I, return, I return to the room. But I mean, you know, I, I think here's the thing is that the wise men, they came, right? And they came with gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now listen, if you showed up at our baby shower with gold, I'm not mad at you, you know? Uh, if you just showed up with, with a block of gold, maybe you watch all of those like gold commercials on, uh, on the news channel and you're like, I'm, I know what I'm getting them. I'm getting them gold because gold is not gonna depreciate. And you know, you bring us some gold. I'm not gonna be mad about that. And then maybe you've got the, uh, the crazy essential oils person that does bring you some frankincense. We got any essential oils? Don't lie. You know, you got the essential oils. We got Miss Melaleuca right up here on, on the front row selling. Uh, she's pushing that Melaleuca oil. And look, it's good. I'm not I'm not mad about it. I'm not mad. But, you know, they bring the frankincense and you're kind of like, what are you, you know, they got the diffuser and you're like, if you'll just diffuse this around the baby, you know, so many times a day, whatever. So they come, they bring gold, they bring frankincense and they, and they bring myrrh and they bring these gifts that, you know, as we look back and, and as we reflect, we go, you know, if you're bringing stuff to a baby shower, other than the gold, the, the frankincense and the myrrh, you know, you probably could have brought like diapers. You could have brought, you know, something else. You could have brought, uh, maybe you brought the expensive stroller that, you know, that you register for. Because I love the whole registering experience. Guys, how many of it, well, I, now you do everything online, but used to back in the day, uh, 20 years ago, you got the gun. Do y'all remember that? Did anybody remember when you would go to like Babies are us, or what is it? Bye bye, baby. And they gave you the gun, or you went to Target. Man, as a guy, I just wanted the gun. And I would go around and I would scan everything. I would scan random items. 75 inch TV ends up on the baby register. What does a baby need a 75 inch TV for? I, I don't know. You know, late nights when dad is up. I don't know. But I would just scan everything. And so they, they come to this baby shower, and here they have gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So that's what we're going to talk about this next week, the, the significance of what the wise men brought. So the wise men brought gold, they brought frankincense, and they brought myrrh. And while each of these gifts in this time were practical, obviously the gold would provide finances for them for the years to come when they would have to be exiled into Egypt and it would carry them over in that time financially. Uh, frankincense and both myrrh are for municipal purposes. And so they gave them these gifts that are practical, but all theologians agree on this, that each one of them is deeply spiritual and holds spiritual significance. Watch this, the gold, the gold represents this represents the kingship of Jesus. That as they bowed down and they worshiped and they brought these gifts of gold, it wasn't just a gift that didn't have meaning. There was spiritual meaning behind it. Whether the wise men brought it with that intention or not, they laid these gifts before this toddler and they said, here are the gifts of gold because you're gonna be the king of Israel. They gave the gift of frankincense, which we're going to talk about today and focus in on today, but it represents Jesus as the high priest. And then third, they brought myrrh, which represented Jesus as the suffering servant or the Lamb of God. And it's amazing that at his birth, well, it's probably two years after his birth that they actually arrive, that as they give these gifts that they're signifying Jesus as kingship, Jesus as the high priest, 
and Jesus as our suffering servant. Aren't you glad that Jesus came to be our king? Can we talk about the gold for a second? We sang it earlier, and that's, I'm just telling you, it's one of my favorite songs, let the king of my heart. That's where I want Jesus, as the king of my heart, because when he rules over my heart, he brings me peace. He brings me joy. The the chorus that you're good, you're good. Sometimes there's nothing else other than to say of my king that you are good. I'm glad that he came to be my high priest, and you may not even know what that means, but you'll know by the time that you leave that he came to mediate between us and God the Father. And be our sacrifice. And finally, the myrrh, he became to be our suffering servant or the perfect lamb of God. So what does it mean to be Jesus' high priest? Can I I teach a little and then can I preach a little? Is that all right? One, two, that's all right? So I want to do just a little preaching. And I've talked a little little bit about this each week in the past. But I want to talk about this. And if you even want to do a deeper dive into... Jesus is high priest. You should go this week and you should read the book of Hebrews because the book of Hebrews was written to a Jewish audience. And so this Jewish audience understands the priesthood. And the priesthood was this. The priesthood were, was a group of men. They were the Levites, which came from the tribe of Levi, of the 12 tribes of Israel. They were the ones that were set apart to serve in the temple and to be the priest. And so you have these priests, and the whole reason that we needed priests is we have to take one step further back from temple days and from tabernacle days, and we go back to the time of the garden, the Garden of Eden. And we talked about this a few weeks ago, but we know that when man sinned, it separated God and man. But why is this? There's there's two things that are happening here in this story. It's number one, it's the holiness of God, and it's the sinfulness of man. So we have a God who is perfectly holy. We have a God that it's not just, I want you to understand this, that holiness is not just a part or an attribute of God. It's not one of his attributes of God, but holiness is the all-encompassing part of God. It's everything that he is. The reason that he is good is because he's holy. There is no sin. There is no spot of blemish. There's nothing. There's nothing that he can do wrong. Everything about God is righteous, is holy. And the word holy simply means this, set apart. That God is set apart. He's not of our world. So when the Bible says that his thoughts are not like our thoughts and his ways are not like our ways, there's no way that we can really fully comprehend God because he is outside of us. He is set apart. He is holy. So when it says that we want to be holy like he's holy, what does that mean? We want to be set apart from this world just as God is set apart from this world. If I want to be holy, how do I become holy like God? I have to be set apart from the things of the world and become more like God. So you've got these two opposing forces in Genesis working against each other. You've got the holiness of God and you've got the sinfulness of man, the holiness of God and the sinfulness of man. So God wants to do this. God wants to punish sin. Why? Because he's holy. The reason he hates sin, listen to me, Not that he hates the sinner because he doesn't hate the sinner. Are you hearing me? The reason he hates sin is because it broke fellowship with him. 
a holy God that created his creation to be in communion with him. The reason he hates sin is because sin separated him from his creation. So what did he do? He said, okay, well, sin has to be punished because I'm a just God. Listen, don't we want sinfulness to be punished? Anybody? Don't we want, I mean, don't we want injustice to be done away with? Why do you think we have a justice system? We have a justice department that we set up so, so unjust people can be taken care of. We want injustice to be punished. I mean, am I on the same? Like, we want murderers to, to, to go away and, and, and pay a penance for their murder. We want those crimes to be paid for. The reason we have this part in us is because we have a God that is just. So we have a God that is just, but we also have a God that is merciful. So what God does in his justice and his mercy is he takes an animal, and we talked about it two weeks ago when we talked about coming our insecurity. He slays an animal, and with that animal, that animal pays the price for our sin. You say, that kind of sounds weird. Well, it's the Old Testament. Go read the Old Testament. There's some weird stuff in the Old Testament, right? And it covered over our sin. Covered over our sin. So then you fast forward to uh, the days of Moses and the covenant that, that God made with Moses. And, and he says, okay, this is what you're going to do. You're going to have a priest go in once a year on the Day of Atonement. You may see it on your calendars known as Yom Kippur. And this Day of Atonement, what you're going to do is you're going to go into the temple. You'll sacrifice an animal. You'll go into the Holy of Holies, and you will light the incense. And the incense that would burn would burn because of an oil called frankincense. And so this Incense mixed with frankincense would burn and this frankincense would rise and they said that it represented prayers that would go up before God. I know this is deep. Stick with me for a second. And so he would take the blood of an innocent lamb and he would go in and he would sprinkle it on the mercy seat and it would atone the sins for all of the people. And so when they brought this frankincense, this frankincense, and they laid it at the feet of Jesus, and they begin to worship him, it signified that Jesus is our high priest, that Jesus would be the one that would go ahead of us and be the sacrifice, that Jesus would be that spotless lamb that would pay the price and pay the penalty for our sins, that when that blood was sprinkled, that it wasn't, because here's the thing, the day of atonement happens every year. Every year, and your sin, it was a temporary atonement. But when Jesus came to die and he died on the cross, he paid the penalty once and for all so we would not have to die the death that we deserved. Because what does the Bible tell us? That the wages of sin is what? It's death. Guess what I deserve when I sin? Death. The payment that I receive for sinning is death. But Jesus stepped up and said, Craig, you're not going to have to die for your sin or be punished for your sin because I will take it upon myself. And we're going to take a deeper dive into that next week. I'm excited. We're going to go to the book of Isaiah and we're going to look at the prophecy that was prophesied about Jesus 700 years before he was born. But Jesus took this all upon himself so we didn't have to die. You've got the holiness of God and you've got the sinfulness of man. But here's what I know. Sin is not a popular word in our day and age. How many of you know that? We like to just say, oh, I just messed up. 
You know, I just kind of, it was just a little mess up. You know, when we, when we lie, we don't lie. We just told a little white lie, right? We just, you know, we don't really like to say we sin. We don't, we don't want to talk about sin. We don't want to talk about falling short of the glory of God. But the Bible says it this way, that we're all like an unclean thing. Not some of us. Say it with me, all. We're all like an unclean thing. And our righteousness are like filthy rags. Romans 3.26 3 says, for we all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. And Romans 3.10 says that there is none, come on, somebody say none, as good as you think you are, none are righteous, not one. We're all sinful. God is holy. I'm sinful. And without the sacrifice that Jesus made for us, I will remain sinful. But what I love is that Jesus as our high priest, when he goes in and he sacrifices himself, he clothes me with his righteousness. So when God looks at me, he doesn't see me for me. He sees me through the mercy that Jesus had for me, that he took up the cross and he died in my place. Because the old covenant was that a lamb had to die every year on the day of atonement. But Jesus came and he died once and for all. That's the old covenant. But listen to what the new covenant says. This is Hebrews 10. Remember I was telling you, go back and read Hebrews this week. Listen to what Hebrews 10 says. For God's will for us to be made what? Holy. You see this? This was God's will for our life. God is not an angry God in heaven that is just waiting for us to mess up and punish us for it. That is not. God's will was for us to be made what? Holy. By the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ. How many times? Once and for all. He doesn't have to come back and die again. It's done. If you confess him with your mouth and you believe in your heart, you're saved. If you will will come to God and you will repent of your sin, he will wipe those sins away once and for all. And under the old covenant, the priest had to stand and minister before the altar day after day after day, offering the same sacrifices again and again, which would never take away the sins. But our high priest offered himself to God as a single sacrifice for the sins good for all time. Jesus as our high priest was this. Jesus was our sacrifice for sin. If you're taking notes tonight, I don't want you to write that down. Jesus as high priest was our sacrifice for sin. We don't have to pay the price for our sins because Jesus paid the price. He took our sin. He took our place. And thank God that we don't have to pay the penalty for sin because Jesus did that on our behalf. So number one, Jesus as high priest was sacrificed for sin. Number two, write this down. Jesus as high priest... He understands and cares for us. Can I say that again? Jesus as high priest understands and cares for us. Because it's, it's easy to think this, a holy God, there's no way that, that I could ever touch or come near or be, or be close to this holy God. He's some distant thing. No, he's not. The Bible said that Jesus came and he wrapped himself in flesh. So he, he knew what we go through. He experienced. In fact, listen to how Hebrews 4 says it. It says, so then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the son of God, watch this now, let us hold firmly to what we believe. The high priest of ours, he understands our weakness. 
And he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So many times we can say, I don't think Jesus gets me. I don't think God understands me. Really? The same Jesus that took up a cross, the same Jesus that in the Garden of Gethsemane was so troubled that his sweat turned into blood. And he said, think about this. His physical body was so overcome with stress and anxiety in the moments before he would carry the cross, his sweat turned to blood. And he said, God, if there's any way I don't have to do this, Father, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, your will be done, not my will. Think about the stress. Have you ever been in the amount of stress where your sweat turned to blood? I I haven't. I've never experienced that amount of stress, but yet Jesus experienced the amount of stress and pressure the night before he would give his life that literally, that his sweat became blood. And how can we say there's no way Jesus identifies with me? No, Jesus knows your problems. Man, if you came in here stressed tonight, if you came in here with anxiety tonight, God knows what you're going through. For whatever reason, this afternoon, anxiety was trying to overwhelm me. And I just had to go, God, I give it all to you, all the stress, all the pressure, everything. I I just have to say something like this, God, it's your word, it's not my word. If I get up, listen, if I get up here and speak, you won't receive anything. But if the power of the Holy Spirit speaks through me, he can touch and he can reach every single person in this place. And so I just have to go, God, it's yours. Uh, Lord, everything, Lord, I cast out all anxiety, all care. God, it's yours. It's your church. You're gonna grow it. God, you're gonna take care of the finances you're going to take care of your people. And we just got to give it to God. But he knows the stress. He knows the anxiety. Is it okay if every once in a while I just peel back the curtain, I just get a little vulnerable with you? Look, I'm human just like you. We walk through the same things. We face the same battles. We face the same pressures of life. But we serve a God that Jesus as high priest, he understands and he cares for us. Wasn't that the role of the priest was to care for the people? He would care for the people. He would be there for the people. And Jesus is our high priest. He cares for them. Hebrews 4.16 said it this way. I love this. Let us approach the throne of grace with what? Confidence. So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You know, sometimes we can walk in this place and And we can go, there's no way I can approach God with what I have going on in my heart. There's no way I can come to God with what I have going on in my life. But we've got a God that went before us and and he mediates and and he is the bridge. He is, and and that's, that's what I need to tell you is that Jesus as priest bridges the gap between God and man. Jesus' priest bridges the gap because that's what the priest would do is he was a representative between man and God. He would go into God's presence and he would sacrifice and he would sprinkle the mercy seat with that blood and he represented the people to God. And I'm so thankful that Jesus represents me to God the Father so that I can come before God the Father, not in guilt, not in shame, but I can come with him with confidence and go, you know what, God, I know you don't see me for what I've done. I know you don't see me for who I am. I know you don't see me for what I used to be, but you see me through Jesus. So I can approach the throne of grace with confidence. Why? Because I have Jesus, who is our high priest, who mediates between me and God the Father. 
I love the way Isaiah 61.10 says it. It says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation, and he has covered me with a robe of righteousness. Because the Bible says that my righteousness are as filthy rags. But God doesn't see my righteousness. When I say this prayer that I confess you as Lord of my life, I believe that you died and rose again. Do you know what happens? Jesus covers me with his righteousness. As the band comes back, we're forgiven tonight because of Jesus. And we can come before God with boldness and confidence. I don't live in condemnation. Can I, can I just speak to somebody tonight that maybe you're living in condemnation? Maybe you're under this constant guilt of what you've done or who you were. Or maybe it's even something this week and you show up to church and you just beat yourself up with the sin. You beat yourself up with maybe something that you said to your spouse or the way that you spoke to your spouse or maybe the way that you spoke to your kids. Maybe you lost your temper this last week and you just feel like, God, what? Why do I do that? How, I can't worship next to my wife after I said those things, or I, I can't lift my hands and let my kids see after they know the way that I talked, or they saw the mess up, they saw the mistake. Listen, that's not the way that God sees us. We can't see ourselves that way. I come before God with confidence, knowing that it has nothing to do with my righteousness. It's not anything I can earn. It's not anything that I deserve, but it's Jesus' righteousness that covers me like a robe that as God sees me, he sees me through grace. I can approach the throne of grace. Why? Because of the sacrifice that he made. He went in as my high priest. Come on, why don't you stand on your feet tonight? I, I want to I close tonight's service. And, and I, I just want us to, to take a moment to reflect. To reflect on, you know, maybe this past year, even as we're wrapping up 2022 and look back on, on God's faithfulness but maybe there's some things that we just need to go God I give that to you I need you to cover that in my life I'm not good there's nothing I can do that is good if I try on my own to earn salvation it's impossible the only way I earn Salvation is by confessing and believing. Because maybe your, your prayer is for this. Maybe your prayer this last year has been for a loved one far from God. I've got good news. Jesus has saved me. Maybe you came in here walking through financial struggles tonight. Jesus is our provider. Maybe you're hurting emotionally tonight. Jesus is coming. Maybe you're struggling physically. Jesus is healing. Maybe you're tired, exhausted, weak. Jesus is our strength. Maybe you're battling anxiety and depression. Jesus is your peace. I can approach the throne of grace with confidence because of this. Hebrews 7.25 Therefore he is always able to save to the uttermost. Those who come to God through who? Through Him. When you come to God through Him, you're able to be saved. Since He always lives, and I love this, 
to make intercession for them. One of the roles of the priest was to pray for the people. How amazing is it to know Jesus is in heaven right now praying for you, praying for me, praying perfect prayers. He's always in heaven praying for you, always making intercession on your behalf, always believing the best, not condemning, not not waiting on you to mess up, not waiting on you to fail, but he's in heaven praying for you, believing for you. So Lord, we come to you. We just declare that we need you tonight, God. Jesus, your Savior. Jesus, your healer. Jesus, your hope. Jesus, your joy. Jesus, your peace. Jesus, your strength. Jesus, you're my redeemer. Jesus, you're all I need. You're my provider. We just thank you, Jesus.